Welcome to worship online at Chandler United Methodist Church. We have been looking at, through this series of sermons, we've been looking at the importance of story, how a story can be important in the formation of who we are and what we are becoming. We've been looking at it by telling stories about people formed by their faith story and a few stories about the faith stories that formed them. Most of us love stories and the right story told at the right time. And so, really, who chose the third Sunday of Advent to talk about this passage on forgiveness Whose idea was that? We're looming close to Bethlehem. We are almost ready to lose ourselves in the magic of Christmas. Thank you very much. Schedules have been set. Plane tickets have been confirmed. Bags are on their, in the process of being packed. Family is coming. Food has been purchased. We are going to gather at the table this year. Well, there is that one family member <clears throat> who seems to have an ability to choose words that flip everyone's triggers, that, that just <clears throat> pierce our souls. They, they, they insert the knife between our ribs and just start twisting in the way they talk. And I actually think I'm the guy who chose this passage for today. And I, I think it would be helpful for us to get clear how much forgiveness shapes our stories. It is in the 18th chapter of Matthew's Gospel in which Jesus lets forth about forgiveness, says we have to forgive one another, commands it. How many times, Lord, is the question asked by Peter. As many as seven times? Jesus says, as many as seven times, 77. In other words, endless. But now we're left with questions like, what if they are not sorry? Or what if they're just a sorry son of a... What if they won't quit doing what it is they're doing that hurts others? I could go on with the text, but let me cut right to the point. What, 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 what's happening here is that our cultural understanding has confused forgiveness and reconciliation. And partly, who would have thought, partly because of poor decisions made in translating the Bible from Greek to English. What we have received has contributed to our confusion. The process which Jesus describes in our passage would best translate as reconciliation, which is what happens when two people see a rupture in their relationship and both people commit to a new relationship, an improved relationship. This is what Jesus describes and outlines and encourages in the text, but he doesn't command it. He says, if there's a problem, go to the person with whom you have the problem. Try to work it out. This is reconciliation. 
two people trying to start anew. Jesus outlines this. Jesus encourages this, encourages us to seek reconciliation when possible. Forgiveness is different. We are commanded to forgive without end. But what if they don't stop doing what it is that they're doing that is hurtful and damaging and destructive? What if they seem to take glee in inserting the knife between our ribs and twisting it? And they are not responsive to our pleas to cease and to commit to a new relationship. Jesus commands us to forgive. So forgiveness must not require the participation or the input of the other person. Forgiveness must be something that we can do all by ourselves. And kind of interesting, the word we have translated as forgive is the Greek word aphiemi. It does not mean what we think of when we think about forgiveness, which is after someone has wronged you, if they are adequately penitent and they're willing to try to move in the direction of a new relationship and you let them off the hook and you say, everything is fine, I forgive you, that's actually closer to reconciliation. That's, that's not aphiemi, which is the word Jesus uses. Aphiemi is what Jesus commands us to do. Aphiemi is a word describing a very specific process of God working in a person's life in four different parts, four different ways. Aphiemi means to take leave from someone. It means to send someone. It means to release grasp of someone. And it means to bless someone all at the same time. Take leave, send, release, bless. In shorthand, to say aphiemi is to say, I trust God is working in you. Now that can be positive and we can say, uh, I must not interfere, I trust God is working in you. Or it can be negative, and we could say, so I don't have to. Aphiemi is the word Jesus uses in uh, uh, Mark 4, where the friends of the paralytic break open the roof and they lower their friend down right in front of Jesus. And the Pharisees are all upset because Jesus Aphiemi says, Aphiemi to the man, your sins are forgiven. Aphiemi. I release you. I let you go. I take leave. You can take leave from this. You are released from this. You are let go. You are blessed. Pharisees are furious with what Jesus has done. They're upset because Jesus has told this imperfect person that God is working in him. And this man gets up and walks. There's a few other times when Jesus speaks this word, aphiemi, as part of healing someone. Aphiemi, 
take leave from, send, release, grasp, bless. God is working in you, is what he tells men and women as he heals them. It makes sense because in his first public sermon, Jesus says that when someone is verbally assaulting you, speaking all manner of evil against you, the best response, his way of responding, he, he, three steps, pray for them, and the word is proshukamahi. It means interact with God and exchange our human desires for trust in God's way. That's what prayer means. Second step is bless, yuliogo, meaning verbalize to that person how you see God in them. And number three, do good, in other words, meaning continue to be upright in how you act, be honorable, calm, and secure in whose you are. Jesus said those are the three ways that we respond. Now, the only way that I can consider praying for someone who is hurting me and <laughs> begin to verbalize how I see God in them, even though they're attacking me, and remain calm and not lose my mind, is if I can take leave from, send, release grasp on and bless hand off what needs to happen in their life the life of this person to god and that's what jesus is describing here afi amy and when he's talking about forgiveness in matthew 18 our text for today this is what jesus is talking about it is the reclaiming of power over our life because we're handing this person off to God. We are taking leave from them. We are sending them out of our heads. We are releasing them from our grasp. And we're even managing to mutter a blessing for them in the process. And, and then, no matter what the other person does or has done or will do, it has no power over us. It has no affect on how we act or what we do. We have handed them over to God. We have a higher calling. We walk a better way. If there are people by their behavior who have taken up residence in our heads, this is how we move them out. We forgive them. Afiemi. It removes the control that others have over our life. Jesus is, says this on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, affiemi. He's saying, don't let these people sway you from doing what you are doing. This is a powerful, this is a life-changing message of the church primary message of the church and the reason i'm talking about this on the third sunday of advent is because of what forgiveness brings to us practicing forgiveness is a lot like other spiritual practices like tithing or like praying none of them come to us easily those are nice words forgiveness tithing praying 
but none of it is easy. To tithe, to be intentional about our giving, causes us to reprioritize and to reorder where our money goes. The outcome of which is we find ourselves intentional about how our finances are handled, and we are in control then of our finances. There's nothing magical about that. It's simply what happens. To pray, to change out what we want for what God wants, causes us to reconsider our loyalties and how we act in the world so that we are in line with God's way. And what happens is we find ourselves in control of our lives. There's nothing magical about that. It's simply what happens. And when we forgive, the same thing happens. When we turn people over to God and we release our grasp on them and we send them and we take leave of them and we even bless them. No longer try to control them or what they do or how they act because that has no control on us. And we find ourselves, our anxieties disappear, dissipate. We find ourselves at peace. There's nothing magical about that. It is simply what happens. Forgiveness is prevalent and <laughs> beloved in our Christmas traditions. Here's a few examples. Mary and Joseph both encounter resistance and threat to their well-being from people around them as they respond to God's unique calling to each of them. And each of them, in their own way, must work through aphiemi, take leave from, send, release, grasp, and bless. God is at work here. No matter what you may do, I have a higher calling than pleasing you. And I commit to do what God has called me to do. Each of them has to figure out how to say that and how to live that. Second example. Perhaps the most beloved Christmas special is Charlie Brown Christmas. Charlie Brown struggles with how to make everyone around him happy, but is again and again declared by his peers to be wrong and dumb and laughable and hopeless. His is a rather bleak existence until, in the words of Linus Van Pelt, from the second chapter of Luke's Gospel, Charlie Brown hears a new calling to the real meaning of Christmas. Charlie Brown is able to see now right past kids who are mean to him. He has a higher calling than their approval. A bruised branch he will not break. The lowest will be raised up. The last will be first. The least will be greatest. It's a story about the power of forgiveness. Charlie Brown, the gospel truth. Example number three, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is a story about one who is mocked and heckled until he finds his higher calling and those mocking voices begin to sing his praises. It's a story about how forgiveness takes the teeth 
out of what scares us the most. Example number four, what is the response of the Who's down in Whoville to all of the plans of the Grinch to control their Christmas? When he puts his hand to his ear, what does he hear? Every Who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He had not stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. What the Grinch has done makes no difference to the Who's. They have a higher calling. It renders him powerless. He is forgiven. It changes him. And he's welcomed to dinner. I think this is why we love Christmas so much. Because to forgive causes us to reconsider who has power in our lives and who we fear. The outcome of which is our anxiety dissolves and we find ourselves at peace. May the Spirit of God, whom we know in the person of Jesus, go before to show you the way, behind to nudge you forward when you are too frightened to move, above to watch over you, beside you to be sometimes the only friend you have in this world, and within that you might know peace, be always in peace. Amen. Oh,